Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! The Jets have achieved the goal of playing meaningful football games in December, but they have also shown at this point they're not capable of winning those games. This is the Can't Wait podcast, the Athletics Jets podcast. I'm Tim McMaster along with Zach Rosenblatt, our Jets reporter at the Athletic, and Marissa Dunn. 0-3 in December, coming in 7-4. and We're going to talk about the brutal mistakes that cost the Jets on Sunday and the loss to the Lions. We're going to grade Zach Wilson. Uh, we'll give a playoff update because there is still hope there, although it is starting to, to dwindle a little bit. And a Jaguars preview because we won't talk again uh, until after the Jaguars game on Thursday night. Uh, Zach, you were at the stadium. The one thing I wanted to ask because it was hard to tell before we get into the breakdown of all this is I know there was – some booing at the stadium. We had talked about it before the game, how like, let's let's build Zach up, right? Let's build him up. Uh, when when did the booing occur in the stadium? I couldn't tell on TV. Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I should have taken like exact note of when it was. I, <laughs> he, I mean, it, it was definitely in like the third, fourth quarter, early fourth quarter range yeah. when Zach was really struggling. Because, um, you know, he had ended the first half like really well, like yeah. feeling optimistic about, all right, maybe he turned a corner and then he kind of reverted back to a lot of the mistakes he'd been making. Terrible interception. To his credit, despite the booing, it wasn't as loud as the booing had gotten the last time <clears throat> he was getting booed. It wasn't the Bills game because they won that one. So I guess the first Patriots game. Um, but he handled it pretty well because, you know, you saw at the end, you know, he was he was making he was slinging it like, you know, we were, we were kind of talking about him before the pod. Uh, you know, he, it was kind of like the full Zach Wilson experience where he makes some throws where you go, wow. <laughs> um, and he makes some throws where you're like, what the heck are you doing? Uh, you know, the, the touchdown to CJ Uzama in the first half where he, you know, rolled out to the left and threw it across, uh, to the opposite side of the field and hit CJ, uh, who scored a 40 yard touchdown. I think the ball traveled like 45 yards in the air. Um, there was the, the fourth and long play to Elijah Moore. I'm sure we'll talk about that, like the time management at the end, but the, the fourth and long uh, play it in the fourth quarter where he completed it to Elijah Moore again on the opposite side of the field. Like there was coverage there. He hit him and they were able to theoretically get in field goal range with one second left. Um, so yeah, that, I don't know. Like we'll, we'll, we'll dive deeper into how I thought he played and all that stuff. But yeah, that, the, the booze, there were definitely booze, maybe not as loud as you would think, but they were there. And, you know, I, I think fans are, um, it's going to be like we keep talking about this. It's going to be very interesting to see how everybody feels. Because if if they keep losing, I mean, everybody's not going to feel good. Like you you want to end the season positively. Like you going into an offseason with what no matter what, even if they started eight, no, and then they ended eight and nine or something like that, like everybody's just going to remember the nine. You know, it's like you, you, you don't you want your good football to come at the end of the year in terms of like the momentum going into the offseason. So if they they keep struggling the way they are and again, none of these games are going to be easy. 
Uh, we're going to talk about the Jaguars. They look way better than, you know, if you, it's funny if you, we, we've talked, talked about this too. Like it's funny how quickly things change in the NFL. Cause at the start of the season, like the Broncos Packers stretch looked like the hardest one. And now you get to the end where you, everybody, even a few weeks ago was like, all right, the Lions Jaguars, those are wins. And then you, you go and, and you hope you beat the Seahawks. And then the, it comes down to the Dolphins game. Well, those games aren't easy wins. They didn't, they lost yeah. one of them uh, to a team that might make the playoffs now, actually. Like, surprisingly, one of the teams they played that's going to be in the playoffs is probably that one. Um, and the Jaguars just beat the Cowboys. The Seahawks, you know, they're they're kind of starting to dwindle as well. It's kind of, They're having kind of a Jets-esque type of season where they started really hot. Everybody was all about them, and they've lost a bunch lately. Geno's kind of come down to earth a little bit. But you're flying to Seattle, uh, and that's never an easy trip. And, and then the Miami one, you know, we know that they have a lot of struggles in Miami, and the Dolphins are fighting for the playoffs. So... These are three games that they probably have to win all of them, and none of them are, I can tell you right now, I'm for sure positive 100% that they're going to win any of them. So not saying I think they're going to lose all of them. I'm just saying, like, I don't think, like, I can't tell you, like, if you had asked a few weeks ago, I was, all right, they're going to win the Lions game and the Jaguars game. Now I'm like, I mean, maybe they'll win the Jaguars game. (laughs) Like, that's where we're at right now, unfortunately. That is where we're at. All right. Before we get into the full uh, breakdown of Zach and how he performed, let's talk about some of the just the big moments in this game that cost the Jets and it went the other way on them. Uh, We got to start with the go ahead touchdown for the Lions because didn't see this coming. I will say that like all the um, all the shortcomings that we've seen from time to time in this Jets team. One thing that has been really good week after week is the defense in the fourth quarter getting all the stops that this team needs, right? Whether or not the offense is able to capitalize, the defense week after week has been getting the key stops when they need it. And that's why this was just kind of shocking. The uh, It was fourth and one, minute 49 left. Um, on the, the, and Brock Wright just finds his way because the defense, I guess, looking for a quarterback sneak. And it was a very good play design. I will say that they, they send the receivers out the right side. Tight end comes across the middle and he is wide open and he goes 51 yards for the touchdown, a backbreaking touchdown. Um, and Zach, the defense took all responsibility. It seemed like for the game based on that play, because I think they were stunned. Yeah. I mean, it was shocking in the moment, you know, you're, you're thinking, okay, even if they get the first down, the Jets can probably hold them to a field goal. Like, that's what the Jets defense is doing a good job of that. Even if they weren't forcing turnovers or getting sacks, they were holding them to field goals. Or I feel like I'm going to sneeze, but I'm in, I'm in the stage where it feels like I'm about to sneeze, but it's like not coming out. It's like the worst feeling ever. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so you're thinking, okay, even if they don't stop them on fourth down, you kind of felt like they were because the defense was playing well. And then, you know, just we talked to DJ Reed. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, I think that was uh, C.J. Mosley uh, in in the locker room after the game, and they they said that the entire season the the Lions had never ran their play. Like D.J. Reed said that confidently. Like we watched a lot of film, they never ran that play in that that situation. They always uh, either had Jared Goff QB sneak, which is what they thought they were going to do, or they did like a sort of like trick play involving I think Josh Reynolds, um, and and so that's what they were 100% committed. Which you know I guess there's flaw in that plan. <laughs> And they had so on on the right side of the field they had like two or three receivers that just went deep so that so that pulled the the secondary and that side away and and then when everybody bit on the fake run uh like he faked a handoff the tight end blocked for like a second or two and then he broke out and I think Jordan Whitehead I think we, we still haven't figured out exactly who was supposed to be covering him C.J. Mosley said it wasn't him I know he's been getting a lot of like flack but I don't think it was him uh, I think it was Jordan Whitehead 
and he did not adjust to go back over there. And then all the other secondary was so far away. He had a clear path into the end zone. This was a tight end who like had a brutal drop, like a, like earlier, a little bit earlier in the game. Um, and yeah, that was, I mean, it was just brutal timing. You know, if they, if they stop him, they probably win the game. Uh, and it's, it's just like the little moments like that. And that was kind of like the basis of my story that I wrote after the game. It missed opportunities was like the word of the day or the phrase of the day. Uh, Cause they, they've had moments like that this season and, and all these losses where it's like one moment like that, where they, where they can't completely keep it together, whether it's on defense, offense, special teams, uh, all three phases had like one big mistake or two big mistakes in this game where, and I, I, I was talking about this to somebody yesterday. Like it's crazy because, it's crazy to say this because they're losses, but I, in any of these last five losses, they've had two Patriots, Bills, Vikings, Lions. It felt like the Jets were the better team that day. Like I know yeah, the final 100%. box score says something different, yep. but it, it felt like the Jets were the ones that like blew it for them in the end, and th- that's kind of what happened here. This this is a pretty devastating loss because they knew what was at stake. They knew it was going to be. It was already a lot harder after losing the, the last two games where we thought we had they had to split them. The, the way the play, the schedules played out, like they still are in it, like you talked about. But th- this Lions game, you know, you, I mean, you'll when we when the season ends, we'll look back at probably those Patriots games as the ones that got away because that's not a good team. But this Lions loss was was a rough one. I mean, uh, again, they they didn't force turnovers. Like, there's a lot of things where we can break down of all the problems they had. They didn't run the ball well. Didn't get any sacks. Offensive line terrible. But despite all of that, they still were in position to win late in the game. So. It, I think that just tells you that they're like a more talented team that for whatever reason is just not executing in key moments and they're not putting it together. And maybe there needs to be more criticism on the coaching staff for like they, they get them in position to win and then they don't quite have them ready when that moment comes. And, you know, maybe it's a young because it's a young team or whatever it is, but uh, there's something missing. Uh, I think that's been clear this month. It's been clear over the stretch where, you know, and, and Garrett Wilson, he, he, he kind of had the, the main quote that like I built my story around where He's like, yeah, we started uh, five and two, and we're seven and seven now. We, like, we've missed a lot of opportunities this season. Uh, he's like, it's great that we started fast, but it doesn't matter if you don't finish well. So I, I think everybody in the locker room is. I think they were pretty devastated. That was DJ Reed said that word quite a few times. It was a devastating loss, I think, just because you know I, I we talked last week about how that locker room when I came out of there, everybody was positive as if like they were still going to make the playoffs. Salah almost guaranteed it, and, and now we're sitting here like, man. It's going to be tough to make it now. So it's a, it's a tough spot to be in, but they put themselves here. So, yeah, they certainly did. Um, the other, you know, offensive breakdowns, defensive breakdowns, special teams breakdowns, the punt. So the defense early in the game, <clears throat> the Lions drive down the field and the defense steps up the big goal line stand. It really felt like a, a shift right there where, okay, they get this stop, regardless of what they do here, it feels like, you know, everyone's into this game now. Um, but they don't move the ball at all, and they're forced to punt out of their own end zone. And oh, Caliph Raymond returned for a touchdown. Just a crushing yeah. thing early. So the game, how many of these games has it been where like something very early in the game is crushing, and then something very yeah. late in the comes, game is crushing? Comes back to bite, yeah. And and the number that stood out was there's only been three punt returns for touchdowns this season in the NFL, and the Jets have allowed two of them. And this is a special teams unit that, for the most part, we we talk about being strong and we talk about, you know, how this coordinator is five coach after coach. And, and it's a really strong unit. But whew, a couple times they have really broken this team. I mean, 
you think about the two punt returns that were returned for touchdowns, right? It's this one and the end of the Patriots game. I mean, you can't, I mean, it doesn't, they were both punt returns for touchdowns that at the end of the day kind of cost the team the game, you know? Yeah. I mean, the special for as good as the special teams was at the beginning of the year, it's a war of attrition. And they, as the scene has, has gone on, they've played worse. Like they started off as yeah. the unit that was kind of carrying this team. I mean, to give up two punt return touchdowns in one season is just, you can't have that. Braden Mann, I think, has really struggled lately. It wasn't entirely on him. That punt, I mean, he was punting out of his own end zone, which is probably the toughest punt you can do. Uh, the coverage was bad on that. I think they've had a few. De- they were missing a couple of key special. Like Brandon Eccles is a sneakily like one of their best uh, special teams players, and he was out. Um, so I don't. They were they were in a tough spot. You know, um, like Lamarcus Joyner was out. So they had to put Will Parks up as like a main defensive guy, and so that that pulls away from his special teams responsibilities. Like it, not not making excuses, but yeah, that that was inexcusable. You can't you can't give up a. T- I mean, of all people, Khalif Raymond, he was on the Jets in 2017, and I think he fumbled away a punt return that year. He, I, I was looking at his stats; he had more fumbles with the Jets than I think games played with them. It was like three fumbles <laughs> in two games because they cut him or something. I'm sure Jets fans are more familiar with him than I am, but. I was talking to Brian Costello about him. Um, yeah, I mean, you could you could just, especially because they again they they kept holding the the Lions' offense, uh, the Lions' offense. You know, they were dinking and dunking their way. They were they avoided Sauce Garner like the play. I don't think I think I haven't seen the PFF stats. I, I think there was another. I think ESPN someone from Seth Walder. I think he said that he was not target. There was not a target in his coverage area a single time. I, I thought there was one watching the game because he got a tackle at some point. Um, but they avoided Sauce Gardner, so they were funneling everything to the middle of the field, uh, which worked. But it was that Jets kind of like like to let teams do that as opposed to t- taking the big shots down the field, all that. Anyway, they lost this game essentially because of the two chunk plays. You have the chunk play on the punt return, which is defense slash special teams, and you have the the fifty yard touchdown to the tight end. And those are just devastating. It doesn't matter how good you play if you give up plays like that, like. As Sheldon Rankin said, and this is getting away from the special teams, but Sheldon Rankin was like, I would rather a team like meticulously works its way up the field and scores on us than like on one big play because at least you made them earn it. Like when the, when they just get something because you made a mental mistake, it just it's just backbreaking. And you know, there there's at the end of the season, maybe I should even maybe I'll do a story about this or something. I'll just like come up with like the ten moments that like cost them the playoffs because there's there's there, if you look in every loss, there's like moments like this. Where the defense, for as good as it is, they've given up plays like that, and it, they were without Quinn and Williams. That's a big factor, obviously, without Lamarcus Joyner at the last minute. Um, but you, you just can't have you can't have you can't give up a punt return touchdown. Like in the modern NFL, they don't happen very often. I mean, there's been three, like you said, two of them have been given up by the Jets, uh, and within within a few weeks, uh, well, I guess the Patriots one was a little while ago now. Um, it all blends together, but yeah, special teams is uh, is has become an issue. Greg Zerline, you know, it's hard to blame him for missing a 58-yard field goal. That That's hard. It was a tough spot to be in. Like, they didn't lose because of Zerline, but he, he's also been, like, money all season. So you almost, like, kind of expect him to make it. And then when he didn't, it was like, oh, boy, is are we going down that this road again where the special teams is is rough. But, yeah, the defense and special teams, they, they've carried this team all year, but they made pretty big mistakes yesterday. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to bring up before we go on to Zach Wilson is, and this goes back to the coaching that we talked a little bit about, but clock management on that last drive where um, they get the ball with, and 
you know, I was I was actually visiting family, so I'm watching the game um, with some family members who aren't Jets fans, uh, and we're watching the game, and we get the ball back with a minute forty or whatever it was, and three timeouts, and I said, well, this is more with the three timeouts. This is tons of time, right? Like, no worry about the clock. You can do anything you want at this point, especially if you're, you know, you just need the field goal. Um, and then they just start moving the ball. And there was the one play where it was close to a first down. And maybe there was a little worry that the Lions might try to challenge it, the spot. And maybe they wanted to rush the line so they didn't call a timeout there. Um, but the what was the third and 19 where they get 22 was, a, to me, a clear spot where, okay, use that first timeout, like regroup. And they end up using the first timeout with 19 seconds left. And you're still way away. Like at that point... They, by not using the timeouts, they took the touchdown completely out of play and it became just, can we get to the field goal? Can we get to the field goal? Um, and I know after the game, right, Robert Sala did take some responsibility for that. Yeah, some, um, look, the reality is in a game like this, where you had a rush to kick a field goal with one second left, like you can't end the game with a timeout still like that. Right. No matter what your excuse, your reason, your thought process for holding on to them, like you, that when the game ends, you cannot have a timeout still. Um, especially because they had to force a 58-yard field goal. Like it, if they had used their timeout sooner, they would have had more time to get even five yards closer, three yards, whatever. However many yards closer, you have a better chance of making that field goal. Um, and so it was, it was, it was a mistake. You know, I, I like the moment they needed to call it was Garrett Wilson had a had a catch where he had a. Uh, it was 22 yard catch on was it third? I have it right here. Yeah, it was third and yeah, it was third and long. Yeah, the third and long. Yep. I get the impression that maybe they they weren't 100 percent sure if he caught it, and they were they were worried that maybe it would get reviewed if they stopped for a moment. Um, ultimately, that they were wrong about that. I, I I don't remember thinking it was even close. Like I, I I I haven't gone back and watched the replay, but it looked like a pretty secure catch to me. Um, and so that's the point where you call a timeout because, you know, they he caught it at the 122 mark and the clock ran down all the way to the 58 second mark. Like that's that's 24 seconds, which is like a lifetime late in a game like that. And, you know, and then so they rushed to the line and then he throws an incompletion. Uh, so the stop the clock stopped anyway. Uh, quick pass to Garrett Wilson, another incompletion where he, he missed Barrios pretty badly down the field. Then he gets sacked. And that's when they finally used their first timeout. Like I, I, a few different points there they could have used it and they didn't and you know I, I i think this team has been good about managing their timeouts all year i don't think there's been a game where we came on here and criticized them i think there's even some games where their their time their clock management like really served them well the steelers game and the browns game are particular ones where they use them really well and at the end of the game they were able to do what they wanted to do and they and they and they and they won in in, in part because of that i wouldn't say they lost because of this like like you said there's all those moments leading up to that last drive that led to the loss, but it, it was, it was confounding in the moment. Like the clock is running down that I don't know. I, I, maybe they were more confident they were going to move the ball than they actually did. I don't know. Uh, I didn't, I, I just, you know, Robert solid deserves criticism for that. I think he knows he's getting it today. Uh, we've praised him a lot on this podcast for the way he's managed this team. And, you know, especially how much better the defense is and how they've been able to survive despite poor quarterback play most of the year. Uh, but they're seven and seven and, and execution's an issue, and everybody keeps telling us execution's an issue, and then the, the clock management was bad at the end of the game, and fans are pissed off about that, and I get it. Uh, they didn't lose because of that again, but it's uh, it's it's something that 
I'm sure when he went back and watched the film uh, this morning, last night, he was like, oh, man, I needed to call a timeout there. Yeah, that was that was the time. Um, all right, we're going to get into Zach's bigger performance. We'll kind of dive into the good and the bad of that, look at the playoff standings, and look at the Jaguars coming up on Thursday after this break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, you said it off the top. We saw, we got the full Zach Wilson experience on Sunday. That was the good and there was some really great plays, some special plays and also the bad. Um, overall, 18 of 35, 317, two touchdowns. That's an 89.8 rating. First half. 8 of 14, 185 yards on eight completions. Uh, that's a touchdown there. So a 125.6 rating. And then the second half went the other way. It was under 50% on the pass completions. Uh, and he threw that pick. Um, one number I saw that stood out, 14.5-yard uh, average on completions was the highest in the NFL for a quarterback with at least 15 completions since Russell Wilson did it in 2012. So that goes to show the big plays. He had a 50-yarder, a 40-yarder, a couple of 33-yarders. I mean, the big plays were there, Zach, um, and more in the first half than the second half. The first half also, let's start here, the accuracy was, I don't want to say good. It, it was It was pretty good. Like, there weren't any... That as I think back, there weren't any obvious like, oh, he bounced it to that receiver, he sailed it over that receiver's head out of bounds, that sort of thing. He kind of avoided in the first half. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I, I, I even think his numbers like, like I think it was eight or fourteen. It was he. There was a couple throwaways in there, so I think the completion percentage was even a little better in the first half. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there was a stretch where he completed like six or seven passes in a row, and he definitely there he definitely got into a groove. He was making the right decisions a, a few different times. He was making those, you know, the like I still think about in that last Patriots game he started where he sailed it over Barrios' head. Like he wasn't doing that in the first half. He was hitting those easy screens, the things like that. Um, 
And he also had a few plays where he escaped, which we know he's capable of, and he even gained a few yards on some runs. And um, they, they ran an RP, uh, a read option with him where he, he gained, gained a few yards. I think he might even got a first down. I, we haven't really seen that a lot this year. Uh, so the, the the flashes were there where you're like, okay, if he builds on this, maybe you know maybe we feel pretty good about Zach Wilson. And all right, you're starting to think like, all right, well, he's probably going to start the rest of the year if this is how he's going to play. And then he comes out in the third quarter and he, and he reverts back to form. So... I don't know. Uh, I mean, we could talk about what, what what this means for Thursday and stuff, but yeah, it's uh, he he went back to making a lot of the like the interception was really bad. He threw it basically to the defensive back. I don't really know what the thought process was there. I think he was targeting Elijah Moore. Um, Not a first down too, right? Like yeah. it wasn't a necessary force in any way. No, that, and that's always been the issue with him. And there was a couple where he just like threw it away on the field, where he's like, oh oh god, not again, and they didn't intercept it. Uh, the Lions, I think they, I feel like they dropped an interception at some point. I can't remember. Um, it's all blend. There's a lot of crazy games yesterday, so they're all blending together. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I feel any differently about him. I, I think he handled himself better after the game. Like he definitely like said, you know, I threw the interception and it was, and, and it got three points for them and we lost by three points. So he, you know, he, he didn't struggle with the, whose responsibility was at game this week, at least. So he's made progress there. Seemed like he was having fun again, which is positive. Like it, it really just seemed like he was not, he was like a shell of a, he was like scared when he was out there before. I didn't get that impression this game, which is why he was able to make some of the throws he did in the fourth quarter. And, and that's, that's the thing with him. Like if, if he, he had the talent, the arm talent is there, but I, I even saw a stat like the, the middle of the field, uh, which is where Mike White like thrives, the intermediate area. Like he had most of his incompletions were like in the middle of the field, which is like you know I guess it's a little harder to. There's more traffic in the middle of the field, I guess is maybe so he struggles when there's like a lot of things going on in the middle and and uh, but when he's like throwing it down the field, you know like you know you're just going for that one guy and you know he's only dealing with the one or two defensive backs or something like that. Like I don't really, I don't really know what the issue is there, but he struggles in the middle of the field, which is why his completion percentage at the end of every game is low. Because he's missing the, the like five to fifteen yard area passes uh, while he's completing the deep ones and some of the the short ones. Whereas Mike White will complete the short ones and the intermediate ones and then maybe he'll hit a, a long one every now and then. And you you need those intermediate ones, especially in a game. You know they with some better quarterback play, they probably could have put the lines away a little earlier if the offense got going a little better. If the running game, which was pretty brutal, the the run blocking was bad. Maybe we should talk about the O line a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't know, Zach. Like if I was giving him a grade. Man, it's kind of hard to grade him, honestly. It's a, such an up-and-down performance. Probably in the CC-plus range, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's almost like a B for the first half, a D for the second half, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yep. Like, but again, he makes some th- – like the Uzama touchdown throw was great. Like the he, he had a throw to Garrett Wilson late in the game. I think it was that third and long. Uh, It was a great catch by Garrett. But late in the game, he started finally that, – that was one thing I meant to mention, that he it started off – where he did not have a connection with Garrett again. Like they hadn't the whole time. Secret seems right. Yeah. Um, and I think there was a stretch where he had five targets to Garrett Wilson and Garrett only had one catch. And there was one in particular where Garrett was like, kind of like, he like got in front of the defensive back and he was streaking up the field and uh, he missed him. And Garrett like was visibly frustrated. Garrett's a pretty like emotional, wears hard on his sleeve guy. So he's done that kind of thing a few times this season, but um, he missed him and Garrett was not happy about it. So, 
Yeah, and he missed Elijah on the on the final drive when Elijah was running away from the defender. You could tell if he had just been able to drop it in, it was going to be a big gain, even though it was a short throw. Zach's leaving, but we'll keep the conversation going here, Marissa. Um, yeah, it was interesting. And it, it, Zach mentioned that he said all the right things after the game. He said, I have to be better. And then another quote that stood out to me as being good was, he said, for me, I think it comes back to how can I watch this film how can I improve and can I keep trying to put our offense in the best situation to win? And I didn't do it today. So basically moving it forward in the sense that like, yeah, I know I wasn't good enough, but I don't think it was even part of the question of what do you do from here? And he added, I need to watch this film. I need to get better from it. So it it seemed like he, he's in the right space mentally now, Zach. Is that fair to say? Like he he's thinking the right things, I think, that you would want him to be thinking. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's. I, I think I think one of the problems with like the press conferences before is that he was almost like offended that the media was the ones asking him the questions. Like he, like you, like his, he kept having the line of nobody outside this room knows anything, uh, and I, so I think that like played into his, like I I don't I don't think he was like not aware of the problems he was. I mean I don't know I'm not I'm not behind the scenes. Uh, Maybe maybe he wasn't as aware as he should have been, but I, I do think everything that happened was a wake up call, and I I think he'll have a better ability to watch the film now and be able to point the finger at himself, and be like, all right, I, I need to do this, this, and this better because the problem it's still a lot of the, the simple throws like making easy throws easy, as Robert Sala says, like he he needs to do a better job of getting the easy stuff because th- this offense has just not been scoring lately, even with Mike White, they've not been finishing drives. Uh, you know how, how many games in a row have they not even had? like tw- more than 20 points. Like it's been a few weeks. Uh, whereas they, they were, they were like undefeated for a stretch when they had 18 or more. So um, the offense has been the issue all year. I mean, we've talked about that all year. A lot of it had to do with the quarterback play. I, I don't think this loss was on him. Uh, whereas right. I think you could have said a few others were on him, namely the Patriots ones. Like they, they did not play a complete football game for four quarters. They, they showed flashes of this team where you think they're really good. And, I know you have to factor in they've lost a lot of their most talented players, so the fact that they're even still in these games is impressive uh, to a degree. I mean, you don't have Quinnen Williams, who's your best player. You don't, as you know, you don't have Brees Hall, ABT, don't have Lamarcus Joyner. Like a lot, a lot of these guys are out. Or ben, Corey Davis was out again. Denzel Mims left with a concussion. Uh, Jeff Smith randomly was like having a really good game, and then he got hurt. <laughs> it was like what? It was like I, I joked that. It's like when you're a, when you're a player who's been inactive for the Jets for a while, that means that you're probably going to be like their best player when you come back, like the Bam <laughs> Knight. Um, but then he got hurt, so they were light. They I think only had three receivers at one point. Um, so personnel wise, they've been dealing with a lot of issues, but that, that like they still had a chance to win this game. And I don't think Zach Wilson is the reason. I don't think he necessarily like helped the the you know the path to victory. But I I don't. This loss is not on him this time, and I think maybe that's progress. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, the offensive line that you mentioned, and it was yeah. it was all it was all the parts of being an offensive line. Like uh, so, in that final drive, Zach was three of seven, got sacked twice. Uh, one of those sacks, he probably could have gotten rid of the ball, but I think it was the second one that led to that timeout. I mean, it was three. It was he took his drop, and there was two guys on him, and he immediately tried to escape, and there was no escape. I mean, that was it was fully on the offensive line. And then when you look at the other part of this offense and the running attack, and what Bam Knight has been able to do, clearly the Lions' game plan was to shut down the run in this game, um, but they 
did it a little too well <laughs> from a Jets perspective. Like um, they've been running the ball okay with Bam in there, and he couldn't get anything going. There was nothing doing in the running attack. And this offensive line, and like, yes, it's it's all mostly backups at this point, right? But they're just not getting it done at this point in the season. Yeah, it's uh, it's a problem. I mean, they, they were getting pressure on Zach pretty, pretty consistently. The running game, like you said, just was not getting going. Bam Knight's final line was 13 carries for 23 yards. I don't think he had very many holes. Michael Carter was kind of an afterthought. He get, came into the game later. He made a few plays. He, made, he actually saved Zach Wilson on one play. Uh, where Zach kind of like just threw it up for like anybody who wanted it. It was like one of the bad Zach Wilson throws that I forgot to mention. And Michael Carter, who is not a big guy, like went up and got it over a defensive back. And I, I actually overheard Zach Wilson like thanking Michael Carter in the locker room after. Like he, <laughs> he was like, I, I, I threw it up and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like I, I saw them chatting in the locker room about that. But yeah, the the run blocking, you know, for as bad as the pass blocking has been all year, the, the run blocking had been pretty solid uh, for the most part. It was bad. George Fant, I, I was, you were kind of hoping that the time off would help him. I, I don't get the sense that he's still fully healthy or in shape or something. Cause I, I think he's really struggled. Uh, you know, Dwayne Brown, he's dealing with that shoulder thing. He's been pretty good, but you know, I think it's pretty inconsistent. Nate Herbig had a pretty bad game, honestly. Uh, and so it, that's two weeks in a row where the quarterback was, you know, if Zach Wilson wasn't able to escape, he probably would have taken some shots like, like Mike White did the other day. And it's it's a problem, you know. I for as banked up as they are, th- this is a lot of the group that they thought they were going to start the season with. You know, if you look at you have Dwayne Brown at left tackle, you have George Fant back at right tackle, Lake and Tomlinson and Connor McGovern were going to start, and Nate Herbig's kind of like the other one that maybe you didn't expect to start, but they view him as a starter quality guy. So they, they have five guys. This is their second week of all of them playing together. Uh, it should have started to see some improvement, especially against a Lions defense that. As you know, hasn't been great this year. They've been better lately. They have a couple of pass rushers, Aiden Hutchinson. They have a like an undrafted rookie that's been that kind of had two sacks or a sack against them yesterday. But the way that offensive line played, there's no excuse for it, and it they're not going to win three games in a row if it keeps up like this. Uh, the Jaguars have the number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. They have some talented guys on the defense, even their defense isn't great. Seahawks don't really have great pass rush, uh, and the Dolphins. Uh, traded for Bradley Chubb, so they they have some talent. So that it's not going to be easy sailing. Maybe it's not going to be as hard as it has been this season. But the offensive line, if it plays like this, like they're not winning these games. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Visit Directv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's look at the playoff standings at this point, um, break it down a little bit. As Some changes, obviously, coming off of Sunday's games. The Chargers beating the Titans was obviously really bad for the Jets. Uh, they improved to 8-6 and six and actually move up to the sixth seed. The Dolphins with their loss to the Bills, which was very close to, to going the other way. That would have been uh, devastating for the Jets, but the Bills do come up with that win. So the Dolphins are the seventh seed right now at 8-6. and six. Patriots, the eight seed, seven and seven. Um, they looked bad against the Raiders, and then the Jets, the nine seed, seven and seven. Uh, when you look at the way it goes from here, though, it, I think going into this week, it felt like 
the Jets probably could, if they played well in the final four games, get past the Patriots, get past the Chargers, who you thought would maybe lose to the Titans, and it could be Dolphins-Jets getting into the playoffs. Now it feels like they have to get over the Dolphins. Like it all comes down to that. It all comes down to winning three in a row, including week 18 against the Dolphins. You end up tied with the same record as the Dolphins, but with the tiebreaker by beating them twice. That's like the best path to the playoffs. I'll say this. The Patriots have Bengals, Dolphins, Bills. Yeah. At best, that's one and two. I I don't think the Patriots win another game. They might this go season. on three on those games. Yeah. So I, I don't even really consider the Patriots like a factor in this. I mean, maybe right. overstating overstating it, but like especially the way they lost. <laughs> like that's gonna be if you have if you don't know what happened. I like anyone who's watching. I'm sure everybody does, but I would go back and watch that clip. Um, by the way, I should say I think the Ravens might wind up being like a part of this discussion because they they've they've looked pretty rough lately and they don't have Lamar right now. Um, so. They have the tiebreaker over the Jets as well, so that I mean that would be the Jets again. They have to win out. If you win more games than the Ravens, then you're in over them, obviously. But yeah, it it they really like you said. I it does feel like two the two uh, two of the wild cards are going to come from the AFC East. Uh, I mean maybe not. I don't. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, but the Dol- it, the Dolphins and Jets like that. If the Jets can win these two games, which they should be favored in, I mean, maybe they won't be favored in Seattle, but. I imagine they're favored on Thursday night. I haven't looked at the line yet. Uh, if they can win these two games, it's going to come. Like we, we've been saying, it's going to come down to that Dolphins game. It probably will. Uh, if the Jets can get, take care of business, if they can figure things out, if they can beat the Jaguars, beat the Seahawks, uh, going that last week, winning in uh, all, all the marbles on that game. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it's fascinating because we, we still don't know. I, I imagine Zach, we're talking to Robert Sala shortly after this podcast. I imagine he won't tell us news on Mike White yet, although he, Mike White is getting scans today, Monday. Uh, so I imagine he still won't play this week, and then they really have to make a decision. So if they win that game, are you gonna are you gonna turn to Mike White and try and get him to lead you to the playoffs? Or are you gonna roll with Zach Wilson and use this as an evaluation to see if he's your future quarterback? It's really gonna be an interesting internal debate for that for that coaching staff, Joe Douglas, Woody Johnson. Like that that's the most fascinating part of these last three games, even more than the playoff push, I think. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. Because like, yes, we want to get to the playoffs, but the future is also a big part of this. And and what about next year? Because you're hoping this team is learning a lot from this run and maybe the disappointments of this run that they can put into effect next year and got to have that quarterback to do it and figure out what that is. By the way, the Jets favored at right now, one point favorites over the Jaguars oh, on Thursday yeah. night, which is whew. so that might that could flip still. Yeah, 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 you know. That, that is certainly an interesting one. It could be even by the time we get to Thursday. Yeah. Um, I guess that could flip with the quarterback news too eventually, and we'll see how that all plays out. Um, all right, about that Jaguars game, they beat the Cowboys on Sunday in overtime 40-34. to 34. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was very good, 27-42, yeah. 318, four touchdowns and a pick. Um, Travis Etienne, 19 carries, 103 yards. That offense the last few weeks has looked very good. Now they give up a lot of points, but the Jets haven't been scoring points. So, uh, you know, when you look at it at this point, Zach, and I know, you know, learn more as we go through the week, but what kind of game do you picture this being? Because it feels like it almost, the Jets are going to have to score at least 24, 27 points to win this game. It kind of feels like that. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys are viewed as having, if not the best defense, like one of the five best defenses in the league. Uh, and the Jaguars just dropped how many points on them? 
they scored 40 in 40. overtime. So <laughs> yeah, 34 in, in regulation. And the, and that was after the Cowboys had a big I mean it's the Cowboys like they they messed up like that a lot. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean the Jaguars are scarier now. I mean Doug Peterson's a good coach as everybody knows. Uh and Trevor Lawrence is coming into his groove. It, you know, you're looking at the, the the two quarterbacks from the draft last year going in different directions. It feels like Lawrence is finally becoming what everybody thought he was going to be. Zach Wilson is way behind him in his development. I actually saw somebody tweeted out like the top 14 or 15 of that that draft class. It's actually like bonkers. Like almost every single guy looks like a like possible Pro Bowl player, except for Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. Like it's every every single other player has either already made the player Pro Bowl or looks like they're headed that way. Um, and so yeah, that's going to be it's it's going to be a the Jets defense stepping up and if it's Zach Wilson, which I think it will be, it, it it's, it's the cliche of this season, but if he doesn't make mistakes, the defense gets some stops and they force a turnover, they'll win. They, they have one turnover in the, in the last, I believe since before the bye, since that bills game, I think they have one turnover and that was against the bears. Uh, they had, because they intercepted Josh Allen twice in that game. So every game since then they have one turnover total and they force that against the bears. So that's, that's something that needs to change. Doesn't matter how good you are at stopping. If you don't force turnovers, it's going to be harder to win. So get Trevor Lawrence to throw a pick, get some pressure. Maybe you get Quinn and Williams back this week. I don't think he was actually 50 50 on Sunday. I think that was a little gamesmanship. So that, that'll be key if they can get him back. But yeah, it's going to come down to the defense making stops. And if they can do it against this Jaguars offense, that is kind of on fire right now. Real quick before we say goodbye, because you said you mentioned Quinn and Williams. Um, I think it was a big factor on Sunday, right? They had no yeah. sacks of Jared Goff. Um, now the Lions' offensive line is very good, uh, but they didn't get the pressure that they've been getting. Quinnen's been so good. Um, the Jaguars maybe banged up on the offensive line coming out of that game on Sunday, so that is huge. When do you think we would know more? Is that something that Robert Sala is going to mention? You think up here in five minutes uh, when he talks? I'm, no, I'm guessing he'll call it like a 50, 50 okay. shot again, kind of thing. I, I imagine tomorrow, I think the injury report for, I forget how Thursday game work cause it's been so long, but I think the injury report will come out tomorrow uh, is my guess. And so we'll, we'll know like officially what he, what his designation will be. I, I don't know. I'm skeptical that he plays, uh, but he probably has a better chance than Mike white is what I would say. They maybe need him more than Mike White. We will see. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Can't Wait Podcast. We're going to be back on Friday with a recap of that Jaguars game. Uh, and heading into the weekend, we'll have our picks and all of that stuff. So we'll be back on Friday morning. Uh, tune in for the more details on that. You can join The Athletic for $2 a month for 12 months right now. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. I know Zach has to get to that Robert Sala Zoom call, so we'll, we'll let everybody go now. Have a great weekend, everybody.